90% Mental. I'm your host, Grant Parr, and thank you for listening to our ninth episode. So most of you know that my background has primarily been in football, and I played quarterback for many years, and I'm really excited to, to bring on my guest today. His name is Sam Fisher, who is a quarterback coach and runs his own quarterback school called Throw to Win. And I've been watching him for the last four years or so on social media develop and train the youth when it comes to quarterbacks. And he's a phenomenal coach. He gets it. He understands the game. He understands how to teach the game to quarterbacks. And basically, our conversation today is just going to be talking about the mindset of a quarterback and some of the things that he sees as a quarterback coach while he's coaching these young quarterbacks. One of the things that we touch on is how these quarterbacks deal with pressure and discipline and how they can also tap into breathing to learn how to control the situation, but for the most part, control themselves. I really enjoyed talking to Coach Sam Fisher just because we were just two quarterbacks talking shop and and talking about things that were really important to us and what's really important to the quarterback's mental game. So let's talk to Coach Fisher and talk some quarterback. Hey, Coach, how are you? Hey, I'm well, Grant. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm I'm extra excited to have you on my show today. You know, most people on my show know that my background um, is football, and I played quarterback for, for many years. So to have another quarterback, a quarterback coach on my show to, to talk shop here is going to be exciting for me. Heck yeah, man. I'm excited to talk ball all day. So I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. You bet. You bet. You know, you know for my listeners, you know, probably for the last two years, I've been following Sam and his efforts. He has a company called Throw to Win. And basically, he's a quarterback coach at Notre Dame High School, but he also has his, his own quarterback school, if you will, um, where he's definitely grooming the youth in high school and I believe also collegiate quarterbacks to be a better quarterback. So, yeah. you know, so Sam, tell me a little bit about how you formed Throw to Win and how long you've been doing it and just kind of you know, give my listeners a little background of your company. Yeah, uh, I'm from uh, Fresno originally, Fresno, California, and I, I came down to Los Angeles uh, 2008. Yeah, 2008, and I um, went down there to pursue the uh, the elusive acting dream. Now, mm-hmm. coming from a background of sports and athletics, I you know I played played a lot of um, football in high school. I was quarterback for my high school. I think I still hold, I think one of the records in the valley for most touchdowns and and. Uh, ran and thrown in a, in a, in a season. Um, sure. I got to take a look at the archives. I probably, probably got crushed already. I'm not sure, but <laughs> uh, I was, uh, I was down here to work as an actor and I had a few good years and, uh, you know, did the grind and, and my passion for sports just kind of came to the forefront. And, and uh, I found my way back into coaching at a high school in Hollywood called Holland Bernstein was a quarterback coach out there. Fell in love with it all over again, man, working with uh, not only just quarterbacks, but, the youth of a you know high school age and, and especially in the inner city it was uh it was just a very eye-opening very special time for me and it segued into taking up this uh quarterback business called throw to win and um once i got a uh the head coach from bernstein got it offered up in tacoma uh washington um so he left and i was kind of looking for some more high schools to kind of get my feet in and uh notre dame was calling i and i uh got a job at notre dame high school in sherman oaks it's got a great tradition and legacy and i uh became the quarterback coach out there, and that kind of helped me build, throw to win. I had a, a, um, a solid field, a consistent location to have quarterbacks and do camps and workouts and things like that. And um, It's just kind of taken off. Three years later, I've uh, so it's become a full-time uh, job, 
I work with uh, junior high, high school, college, and pro uh, quarterbacks. Um, and it's just been a blast seeing uh, the development of not only the business, but of these kids who are now becoming like the, the little guys are now high school guys, the high school guys are now college guys. And just the quarterback journey is so special because um, like you talk about on your shows, the mental toughness and the mental process of going through the ups and downs, highs and lows, uh, you really got to be on your game and you really have to understand the entire vision of what you're trying to accomplish. Absolutely, man. And it's, for me and being a quarterback, I, I have um, it, it's been actually really exciting to see you on social media. And for my listeners, please get on social media and connect to Throw to Win if you're interested in quarterbacking, because you, you touch in all of your teachings. You not only the technique piece, but there's the mental piece, and you document your experiences with these with these quarterbacks in a very unique intimate way so um i enjoy every day watching I appreciate that. yeah you bet you bet uh, how long have you been doing it um so full-time three years three years now yeah and um instagram has been a fantastic tool i was very social media um like i, I had no social media savviness and my friend was like listen fish if you want to take this thing and make it yours you gotta you gotta get a the social media thing going. And I started on Instagram with my first client. And today I've got, you know, over 6,000, uh, followers and I get, you know, 40,000 views, crazy numbers that I would never expect. But I think it just shows the, the grind that I put in and, and the creative, um, you know, the way I I've gotten savvy at shooting things and marketing, you know, there's a part of that that you have to kind of get better at in order to grow a business. So I've been able to implement that while I really have passion for coaching these guys up. That's great. That's great. Is there any notable quarterbacks that you've worked with either that have, um, you know, graduated from the high school level into, you know, either division one or into college or any notable quarterbacks that you've worked with? Yeah, there's a few guys. Um, there, uh, Xander Diamant was the Indiana quarterback from Venice high school. He played over at Indiana university, um, kind of a Johnny Manziel type guy. I actually coached his little brother, Luca, who's the uh, quarterback at Venice. High now he's, He's looking to become another stud, probably be getting an offer by the end of the sophomore year. Uh, so Xander just finished at Indiana. He uh, he hung the cleats up, coming back down to L.A. He might actually be helping out with throw to win. I'm looking for assistant coaches, so he might jump on board and help me out with that, which which could be exciting. Um, uh, Brian Bennett, who is an uh, uh, Oregon Duck quarterback, he has uh, had a run with the Colts. He is in the CFL, playing for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Absolute stud, uh, probably throws the ball better than anyone I've ever seen in person. Um, so he's, he's finding his way back to the CFL and trying to, you know, get to the pinnacle, which is back in the NFL. Um, actually working with uh, Vernon Adams this Friday, who was another Oregon guy. He's a Canadian football as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's guys that, there's guys that have had their, their, uh, you know, their great careers in college and are doing their things in pro ball and are just, you know, it's such a, it's such a, almost a crapshoot to try to be elite, elite with all this talent around. These guys are some of the best throwers in the world. But to just get on that NFL roster takes a lot of uh, extra variables, and, and that's where they're all trying to get back to. Absolutely. And, and personally, I think being a quarterback is probably one of the hardest positions in, in all of sports. I don't know what your take is on that, but you know, there's so much that you have to deal with internally and externally to be a really good quarterback. Yeah. What's your thought? What's your thought on that? It is. I mean, being a good quarterback, it's like I've been watching a lot of Dave Chappelle. He's one of my favorite comedians. When he's on stage and the way he works the the room and owns that stage, it brought it brings a lot of 
similarities and parallels of being a quarterback. There is a looseness, but a control that you must have as a QB. There has to be people that really love you. Your team has to love you, but they have to also know that you own the situation. You are the master and commander of that ship. And sometimes kids at a young age slip into one or two of those categories a little bit too much. They may just be all too loosey-goosey and there's not a lot of respect, but they can play. But and on the other on the other hand, they're a little too, you know, um, just too controlled, not enough charisma, uh, charisma. Um, and guys get turned off and they don't want to work hard for their, their QBs. Um, so in my opinion, when I look at guys like, like comedians like Dave Chappelle, that's how I feel a QB should run their ship, a guy that is focused, zoned in, but wants to keep the guys loose, wants to keep the guys light. They have a plan of where they're trying to get to. They know how to communicate. They know how to encourage. They know how to buckle down and whoop some ass when they need to. Um, all these things, that the quarterback position has so many flavors to be a real leader. And, and it's a day-to-day. You have to understand it's a day-to-day time and a when to engage specific um, type of characteristics, if that makes any sense. 100%. When you're the quarterback, there's there's actually there's an art to balance and and that's emotional. Yeah. I mean, you're you're balancing your own emotions, you're balancing the team's emotions because you know, you're the focal point, you're the leader of of your team or of your offense. So it it takes I mean, I know there's times when I played I felt that I was pretty much balanced all the way until I got into an unfamiliar offense. That because uh, I basically sat in, in one offense my whole career pretty much, and I I felt unbalanced and it was hard to deal with kind of controlling my unit, controlling my my own emotions. Yeah, and it's a discipline, and it's um, you know, it's it's almost like you know I'm married. Are you married? I am. Yeah, so you you know, there's days where you wake up just not feeling life in general. You're pissed for whatever reason, but there's a spouse and there's a family that is doesn't really matter how your what your day's like you have to you have to put your your best foot forward you have to uh you have to show up and be a good husband be a good leader uh at least try your best i mean i fail all the time at it but my wife luckily doesn't let me fall too far without her being like hey none of that get out of there you know same (laughs) thing i'm with you (laughs) (laughs) and uh that's a qb you could have a bad day but those other guys don't care if you have a bad day, man. And they're, they're your boys and they love you, but you've got to run the show and you've got to be able to turn the page. I mean, I think some of the best things I've heard as it being a quarterback is it's the, the next play that's the most important, you know, and you could throw a bad ball, you could throw a pick, you know, something could happen, but the, the best, the most important thing is the next play and being able to overcome adversity, being able to turn the page you have to have that as a quarterback. You have to have that. I mean, you have to have that to be a really good, uh, to enjoy life. I think you have to understand that, Hey, this is a bad day, but this is going to pass. I'm going to be able to attack the next opportunity and use the last bad, bad problem to get better at the next opportunity. And for a young guy, especially in Los Angeles, where it's so pressure packed, I mean, the, the kids out here have it so hard because the, the dads and the environment and we're going to hold you back so you can be ready your freshman year. I mean, all the pressures that you and I didn't have to deal with as a quarterback. Now these kids are so pressured to be performed now to have that looseness and be able to have about insight and wisdom as a young man. 
Um, few and far between these days, but it's so crucial to have. And that's where really what I try to teach these young guys. It's like, listen, man, you are going to go through ups and downs. You're going to go against guys that may be a year older than you that are in your same grade, but they held back. You have no excuse. You are playing this position. You're going to be playing against monsters the rest of your career, the higher up you go. Find a way to win. And, and that's what it comes down to. Big time. Big time. You know, and, and earlier we were talking about is, you know, when you have a bad day and you just have to turn the page, you know, there's, there's an opportunity to look at whether if it is a bad day, if it is a day full of failures or mistakes. You know, you brought up Dave Chappelle, and just a few days ago, I saw a clip on, I believe he was on Jimmy Fallon, and he, he talked about how failure is informative. And when he said it, I was like, wow, because a lot of times, you know, when we do fail, we get so stuck into the emotion of it and how less than we, we become, you know, depending on what the variables are. If it's you know, the other quarterback looked better today or I lost my job today, now I'm second string. But we get so caught up in the emotional um, aspect of it instead of looking at, okay, what can I learn from this failure? And mm-hmm. as a quarterback, you got to do that a lot if you want to stay stay on top of your game. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's uh... – Failure is so important, man. It's uh, luckily for me, I got I got a lot of failure. Especially when you come to Los Angeles, you try to create a career in anything. Uh, <laughs> failure is your best friend right. because you you get told no, and if you can overcome that word, if you can be fearless from the word no, the world can open up into a lot of amazing opportunities, and uh, that's that implements right into the quarterback game. I mean. You're going to be told you're too short. You're not fast enough. You don't have the big arm. You don't see the defense right. All these things that are going to try to knock you down, uh, you've got you to scale your way back up and, and figure it out. So failure should be an ally. Failure should be a, a friend that never leaves. It's hard as it stinks sometimes. Without failure, I mean, it's cliche. There's no growth, but it's the truth. Failure is one of the greatest attributes in a life, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. You know, and I think, you know, when you think of failure, especially when you look at, you know, the greats, uh, Michael Jordan, I mean, I can't, believe, I can't remember the exact quote, but he basically said, you know, I've missed 6,000 shots. I've been in 26 games where I was supposed to, you know, win the game and lost. And, but he goes, but I've won world six champions and I'm probably the best you know, basketball player in the world. And it's all because he, yeah. he failed. Yeah. And he just kept shooting away. He kept shooting away. He kept shooting away. Exactly. And, um, yeah. It's a great example. So I usually, you know, every time I'm, I'm talking with someone on my show, I, I always have this, this very coined uh, question um, just because around mental performance, you know, it's all about mental toughness, especially especially in, in the position that you're coaching. So what, what is your perspective or what does mental toughness mean to you? Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. Uh, mental toughness is, I think mental toughness is just being available to be in the present. Mm-hmm. I think mental toughness has a lot to do with wisdom and, and, you either have it or you don't. I think you can acquire mental toughness, but I also think it's it can be a a trait that you might be born with. Having having discernment and insight as a young man is not very common, but 
it is so valuable when you understand just going through like what we were talking about failure, uh, being able to be in the present and look at the big picture and be like, this is not, this is not the end of the world. This is not going to kill me. I'm going to have another opportunity. If I keep working, I'm going to be able to succeed the next time my number's called. So I think the, 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 the discernment and wisdom of understanding that is one of the biggest attributes of mental toughness. Um, of course, there's the you know the physical t- getting getting your freaking bell rung and, and popping back up and throwing a, a dime for a touchdown. That's that's a, a, you know that's mental. You know that's that's been able to recover quickly and, and shit turn the page. Um, but I think with all that other like grind and grit, the things you do need and want a quarterback to mint. What I really think mental toughness is is just understanding how to be comfortable in in a very uncomfortable position and um, and and living in that not just not just one or you know just trying to dipping your toe in the water of being uncomfortable living and and just accepting that uncomfortable um, position understanding that it's never going to be easy but that's what you love. That's what you yearn for. That's what you want. You want it to be hard. You love the tough, uh, you love the, the, the challenge of, gosh, this is never, I'm never just feeling like I'm going to kill it. But as a competitor, in my experience, that's what, that's what feeds you. That's what makes you want to keep going. And, and there's times where you're grooving and you're, you can't miss and you just feel like you're dissecting defenses. You're there's, there's nothing that's going to get you wrong, but, the beautiful thing about football is that it humbles you really quick. So <laughs> enjoy those times when you're just slow and, and you seem like you can't, you can't miss a throw because the next play, there might be a safety that just picks you apart and you got to figure out, you know, the next play after that, how am I going to, how am I going to challenge that kid? Um, so I guess long, long story, try to make it a short answer, just being present and knowing that each challenge comes with an opportunity and that it's not the end all when that challenge is, is failed big time dude that's beautiful man yeah i I think you know mental toughness um just to kind of elaborate a little bit on what you're saying as well is is being comfortable being uncomfortable and and dealing with those you know adversities when they come and, and loving those adversities that when they come like you were saying you know, whether you're in the pocket and you get ripped and you get, you know, the next play you come back and you throw a touchdown or you're running the option, you know, and when you're running the option, you're, you're literally giving up your body most of the time to bring in that defensive end or that defensive player so you can, you know, drop off that ball to the running back. When you're in that situation, sometimes, sometimes you get laid out. How do you get back on your feet? And I call it fast focused. So as soon as you go through some kind of adversity, how do you get right back up and then respond by throwing a 45 yard touchdown you know that's that's just you know that to me that's there's mental toughness there so you know everything that you were saying there was awesome man it was was right on yeah and 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 being able to do that not just like on a friday or saturday or sunday it's like are you willing to put that toughness in on monday tuesday wednesday practices where no one's feeling it you know like can you lead on down days, can you lead on lack lackadaisical days? You know, and when you get onto a field during a practice that no one has pop in their set, there's no juice. Can you be that guy that corrals the team? Because sometimes the coaches aren't going to be able to get it out of you. What you need is a spark plug from within. And and sometimes it's not even a QB. You'd like it to be a QB, but you might have a badass kicker that just gets these guys riled up. You know what I mean? 
So it's, it's being able to grind and keep tough, uh, keep that mental toughness and, and that uh, that vision, even on bad days of practice, man. Because those are those are what make the Friday, Saturday, Sunday games happen. Big time. No, I, I agree, man. I agree 100. percent You know, earlier you talked about, especially in the the market that you live in, there's a lot of pressure. I can only imagine the culture of just being in LA. You know, all different kinds of of pressure, especially that an athlete has to deal with. Does social media become? Have you seen social media be a, another factor of adding pressure to to athletes that you work with? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's uh, social media has been been great. There's so many great things that come from social media. I mean, I I literally wouldn't be able to do what I do uh, full time if I didn't have the tools of Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Um, but I got to be honest. I put my best foot forward. I put the best throws of the day on Instagram. You don't see the thousand bad throws that I'm filming. The kids can't hit. I get, you know, and, and so what I'm doing and what we do is as people is that we have a perception of this is my life. It is perfect. There's no flaws. Everything looks good. This is what my life looks like. And it's for the most part, it's a big joke right? The perception of it is what people think reality is. And as a 15 year old kid who is born into this era of, of, you know, technology and social media, they're judging their life of what everyone else's life looks like. And it's hard enough being a teenager in, you know, places like Rhode Island, Ohio, no offense to those places, but they're a little slower, you know, But, but being a teenager and trying to figure out who the heck you are on top of now I got to judge myself from all these D1 bound, five star, three star, all these guys that are getting under the rate. I mean, all, all the social media platforms that hype these kids up, they think that's where they need to be. And it is just, it has to be excruciating just as a parent to see their young kid try to live up to these expectations built through the powers of social media. And uh, I see it every day. But the, one of the biggest jobs I have is just try to manage ex, uh, expectations manage boundaries. In fact, I tell some of these guys, put the phone down, put the Instagram down, put it down, put it down. That's not what's going to get you the job here on this field is what's going to get you the job. We could go a year and no one would know I'm working with you. It's not going to make a difference whether I have you on film or not. It's what's going to happen when your number's called. Mm. Um, so it's, it's very, very tough. And the pressure is very, in my opinion, unfair, but it, unfortunately it's the way we, the, the world we live in right now. Absolutely. And, you know, when I was coaching football last year, I saw that too. I mean, it was, you know, these kids feel that there's so much pressure because they're all connected with each other, especially within this the geography that I, I live in, in the San Francisco Bay Area. So they all want to track each other and they all want to see who's getting the D1 scholarship. But even during the season, literally, and I've talk, talked to some athletes, they feel that they're one play away of being exploited. So, you know, when you're – if you get burned on a long touchdown or you throw an interception and they run it back for, you know, for a touchdown, their reputation gets tainted real quick from their perspective. So I, I, I just find it how, you know, social media is definitely something that can elevate somebody's reputation um, and brand, if you will, but it can also destroy it if an athlete lets it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's tough, man. It's, it's, a, and I think that's why you, 
having good people, you know, some parents that can say, hey, this isn't the way it is, and, and, and preach to their kids and let them know this is not your, – your identity isn't based on a play. Your identity isn't based on an Instagram follow. It's not based on how many stars you have or, 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 the, or whatever it is that you don't think you have. It's, your identity isn't based on that, man. You're, you're more than just an Instagram page. And, uh, and sometimes, man, these kids, it, it takes a while to these kids for to figure that out because it's, that's, all they, that's all they know. Their, their value is based on likes. That's what these kids live on. Their values are based on likes from a stupid phone. <laughs> and, uh, and man, adults fall into the same trap. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. There's a, li- there's a little bit of, like, cha-ching when I see a like or a follow. I won't lie. It's, 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 it, that's what it becomes, man. So there's this little, uh, it's almost like taking, like, a shot of, like, bourbon where it's like, ooh, that felt nice. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's the way that we are, we are bred to want to be liked and, that's the way we're born. So there's nothing that feeds into that more than a, uh, a social media platform. And uh, I have to be aware of it. My aunt, luckily, like I bring my wife up a lot. She puts boundaries on me. I got to put the phone down and, and I have to be in reality and present. And, and, and I'm trying to build clients from this. So that's the excuse I use. But a lot of that is also like, well, who's, who, who likes my stuff? You know? Right, right. And, and, I'm a, and I'm a 32-year-old man, so I can't imagine – 15 years taken away trying to, you know, survive an identity. Right. Right. I, I feel the same way, Sam. Like, you know, when I get likes and I'm looking at, you know, here I'm, I'm a 43 year old, um, you know, man looking at Facebook and, you know, Instagram and Twitter. And it's just interesting how social media is integrated into our lives. And it's, to me, it's, you know, you get that instant gratification where, Oh, you know, that little beep goes off and it, to me, and I, ha- and I have to kind of balance it out as well, and, and so do these kids, but it's, it, it kind of feels like currency. Like the more that I, I have more likes in the bank, the more value that I have. And that's really just, the, you know, that's false. <laughs> yeah. It's false. Yeah. And, you know, when you think of social media, how it, how it can play in an athlete's mind, I always tell when I'm working with athletes that you are not your performance, whether if that performance is on social media or huddle or whatever it is, you are not your performance. It doesn't define who you are. Who you are is this, 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 and this. You're just a football player playing yeah. an awesome game, but it does not define who you are as a person if you have a bad game or a good game. Exactly. Yeah. With that being said, uh, for all who are uh, listening, please follow me at throw to win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> A hundred percent. That's throw underscore two underscore win. <laughs> you betcha. <laughs> uh, that's funny, man. That's it funny. is funny. These kids, these kids are trying their best, though, man. They they work their butt off. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I'm I'm blessed to have a group of. I mean, I'm I don't have a an exact number, but I I probably go through a. Uh, a cycle of about 20 to 30 guys monthly and, and they're all, they're all so dedicated to work, man. And they're all shapes and sizes and, and dreams and just being a part of these guys, uh, journey and, and trying to build their confidence and esteem outside of just being a football player. Uh, it's about as rewarding as it gets. And you don't get it. You hear that as a kid when coaches tell you that, but until you, until you do it and, and you really get to see, uh, these kids grow. It's 
that's that's the gold mine, man. That's where it's at. You can't put a currency on that. Hundred percent. And I see it all the time. Every week when I'm seeing your videos that you're posting, you can see the dedication in these kids. You know, and again, I know that you're 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 picking out you know the the highlights of your work, but. But to be honest with you, I love that because, you know, these kids are developing. And when you can kind of capture what a perfect throw is or what a perfect read is or how you do a, you know, a yeah. drill, the, you know, the best of your ability, the more you can see that as a visual, you can use that to enhance uh, when you visualize your performance. Because the more you visualize what you want to do, when it's, when it's game time, it's just going to be second nature. So when you have something that you can look at that is nearly perfect, then you have something to base off um, your performance. So I love it that you actually put yeah. their, their best performance on there because it's, it's a great tool. Yeah, I appreciate that. I really do. And they, um, and it's, it's, meant, it's meant for two things. It's meant to show that I'm working with guys in a market, in a market sense, but also those guys can look back at it and be like, that's, that's a good rep. That's what a good rep looks like. Mm-hmm. And um and that's a that is a valuable tool. And those are one of the valuable things that you do get from the social media aspect. Is like you, you get to see a good rep. You get to understand what you know. An athlete is a monkey see, monkey do creature. If you can't monkey see and then monkey do, then I I think that's that's a huge part of what makes an athlete. You should be able to see a good rep, whether it's from a pro, and be able to kind of copy it and simulate it in your mind, and then let your body do the work. And uh, I think that helps that connection when they see their feet and their eyes and their body and their follow through, uh, and the proper motion. Um, another great thing that I, that I get from, um, putting out videos is so many, the football, you know, football is so popular now all over the country, all over the world. Um, weekly I'll get, uh, Mexican football players, Swedish football players, New Zealand football players asking for tips and drills and help. And it's so cool. It's so cool because they're out there. It's still a second secondary sport compared to you know whatever it is, soccer or whatever sport their their country has had for years. But they're so excited about wanting to to work and get better as a quarterback, and and they don't have a lot of help. There's not a lot of coaches because it's not in their their uh, country. Um, and it's so it's just so cool to to help these guys out. You know, they they use my videos as struck as instruction, you know, tutorials to help their guys. Man, you're going global. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, I mean, well, I've done a camp in Mexico City. Um, I want to try. Colombia's trying to get me out there. I'm trying to get to Europe, so I would love throw to win to be international. I'm trying to trying to grow it off. Obviously, out here first in the West Coast. That's a monster. Not enough, but uh, uh, I'd love to be. I'd love to have a few coaches scattered around the country and the world, and that would be fantastic if that ever happened. That'd be great, man. That'd be great. I think you just keep doing what you're doing and, you know, you know, affecting these kids' lives and promoting it, you know, through social media. I think uh, you're on your way, man. I appreciate that, brother. Thank you so much. You bet, man. One question. What I see on these videos, definitely you're honing in on a lot of technique. How much do you integrate with your work with these quarterbacks? How much do you integrate mental performance or have them kind of look from a sports psychology lens? Uh, as, as much as possible, as much as possible, I try and, and I don't always, you know, hit the nail on the head, but I really try to put them, everything we do at Throw to Win, I try my best to be game mode, uh, speed, and um, 
just technique. So it's if I feel like these guys are working a a five step, making a read off of a safety, and I think that they are just kind of you know, once it's worked through and we've done the drills and we know what the speed we want and they're still kind of half dogging it, um, I'm 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 in their grill. Like you you just got sacked or you're you're late, you just threw a pick because you think you have all you think you're at I say a lot, you think you're at a picnic, right? This isn't a picnic. And I try to really put a fire under these guys' butts to you gotta move, you gotta move, you gotta move. But not everyone moves the same. There's some guys that don't have the best feet. But if they're moving as quickly as they can, it's probably going to end up being good enough to make a play happen. And I always just try to to, to apply pressure. And that's a big, you know, I, I feel like you get with me long enough, you're not going to get away with just kind of going through a drill. And, and I tell them that. Don't do a drill because I'm asking you to do the drill. Do a drill with an idea of how this would feel in a game. Do a drill running for your life with a little bit of healthy anxiety. <laughs> and, and I think that's, that's really what, I mean, they don't, they don't mess around after like a week or two. And they, they know uh, fish isn't, fish is going to bust my ass. If I keep just kind of going through the drill, like it's a drill mode. It's like, no man, I know you're trying to be technical and, and I like that. But at the same time, you have to be moving. You have, I say all the time, you have bad guys after you. <laughs> you have bad guys after you, man. <laughs> you got to do something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, and how much do you focus on how much do you focus on breathing, teaching these kids how to to control their breath? Like literally, literally. And because when you're, I love it that you create. It's kind of somewhat you're doing kind of simulation training where you're putting them in the moment of the game, and you're you're applying some pressure. And and a lot of times, you know, throughout a game, a quarterback's going to go through different types of pressures where breathing is going to be very vital so if if it is end of you know it's fourth quarter there's two minutes left and the quarterback just rips off a 45 yard run but he still needs to score to, to win he still has to breathe get his mind sorted get the team you know yeah. situated read the defense do an audible and all that and have their breath so how, yeah. how, do you, how much do you focus on on breathing yeah that's a that's a great question uh that's honestly something i have never really dialed in on like the breathing in general. Um, but what I do, uh, at the end of every practice is a, it is a cardio mental drill. It's, uh, it's our NASCAR two minute offense where they have to start on the five yard line. They have three receivers and they have to march down the field. I time them. So it has to be under a minute and a half. And if the ball hits the ground, we lose the game. So that, to me, kind of simulates how well you're, you're dog tired by the time you're about at the other 40, 30 yard line because you're, you're hitting quick outs and slants and corner outs and focusing on. And they call all the plays. I don't say anything. I let them lead. They're the, play, the, the, the field generals. They call the plays. If they call routes that I think are stupid, I'll probably call them out in the middle of it, but I still let them do it. But they're dog tired about the 20 to 30 yard line. And um, at that point, I think the training that we do has to just click in and they need to, they need to dial it in. So the, the, the straight up breathing part of it, I don't really knock on, but although, you know, you mentioned it, that's, that's a really good idea. And I can, I can definitely learn something from that, but I'm, I'm looking at them dog tired and if they can still drop a fade from the 15 and their footwork or their feet work and their rhythm are still intact to me, 
it's telling me that they're breathing and their mentality is still um, together to execute the play in tired situations. Exactly. You know, and the reason why that I brought up that question is because now the, the offenses that are in this day and age of football versus when you and I played, it's it's more high powered and and there's a lot of passing going on, but uh, there's more athletic quarterbacks, so they're doing more with their feet. And yeah. I've seen a lot of quarterbacks. I even when I'm watching from the sideline or I'm watching, you know, through the TV, I always like to look at the quarterback when something big just happened where if it is a high-pressure situation or they ran 40 yards, 50 yards, how are they controlling their breath? Because it, it, and, and what happens next? Because I can see if, if a quarterback, and I'll go back a few years ago, when the, uh, the Niners were playing the Falcons, I remember when Kaepernick threw that interception that destroyed the game. I believe that he ran a lot through that series and he didn't take, he didn't manage his breath. So he was kind of, I call it survival breathing. He was trying to get yeah. through the moment, but not, not just being present and just taking that three to five seconds just to gain, uh, you know, gain your presence yeah. through breath. So, so I always, that's yeah. a great, uh, that's a great thing to um, identify right there. That's good perspective. Um, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's definitely not easy. Um, Sam Darnold from USC won that game uh, last week, last year in the uh, Rose Bowl, I believe, and he looked like he was. I mean, some guys. I mean, you watch, you watch guys like Flacco and Eli Manning. They don't even look like they're in a game. They look like they're watching TV. <laughs> right. And and it's and then there's some guys that just wear their emotion and are huffing and puffing. And you'd like to think that they're training from the beginning of preseason to that time in the fourth quarter in a playoff game has, has been valuable and, and they've worked enough in the off season, their hours before that spot is, has come into play. But I mean, I mean, Brett Favre, right. That guy is an example of that guy where you don't know what he might just march down and, and slice you for three quarters. And he brings you guys back. And now he's in the play. He's in the uh, overtime game and he just throws it just a three flies up ball for no reason. And right. is that because he's out of breath and he's not focused or he's just a, he's just a gunslinger and was like, well, screw it. Let's see what happens. Right. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, it's, it, but I believe that, you know, maybe, maybe the conditioning and the, and the, the oxygen to the brain maybe has a very big, you know, part of that. That's a, that's a good question. I'd like to dive probably more into with the, uh, the physical and, and psychological side of that. No, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, you know, the more that I work with athletes, you know, in life, when, if you're going to go for an interview, you're going to have a hard conversation with your wife, your mom, your friend, you know, we, we all, we're human. We're going to deal with some emotions and if we can control the breath, the mind works more efficient. So, and the more that we're actually controlling that in all of our lives and all aspects of our lives, when it comes time to perform on the field, in an operating room, in a sales, you know, board meeting, like you're, the more that you're Absolutely. breathing, you're just more efficient and you're more calm. You're more in control. Absolutely. You know what I'm, you know I'm going to do now after this? I'm, I'm going to take all my guys to the Pacific Ocean and I'm going to have them all get pummeled by waves and I'm going to see how, who keeps their breath and stays calm. I'm going to give them 20 seconds to stay underwater. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and if they could get pummeled by, because that's, 
do you remember being in the ocean or like underwater and just you're kind of having a panic attack because you feel like I I got to get out of this, but your instincts, at least for me, I, I was kind of raised in water. Where it's like I have to stay cool. I have I have to let this wave whoop my ass for about five more seconds, and I'm going to submerge. And that's kind of similar with what you're talking about, right? Yep, exactly. We, you're in the storm. You're getting pummeled. But how do you keep your breath, stay calm, and let it pass? Big time. You ju- you you just flow like water. And and I'll I'll throw a little bit of Bruce Lee at you. You know, there's analogy or a story that I'll, I'll paraphrase, but it's about it's about not you know. Usually, when you hear about being you know caught on a wave, you don't want to fight it. You just want to roll with it. You just want to flow with the wave and then come up from there. Yeah. But there's there's a story that Bruce Lee talks about. He he always talks about when you're performing, be like bamboo. And what he means is that if you're an oak tree and you have a, a ton of snow that's been on this limb. That limb is fighting to hold that all that snow, and it's fighting, it's fighting, it's fighting, fighting, and, and over time, that that limb's going to break. Whereas bamboo, if the wind blows it, it flows, it bends, and then when it comes back, it comes back even stronger. So he goes from a mental standpoint: yep. be more like bamboo. Don't be like the the oak tree. Don't fight it. Just go with it. I love that. I love that. We need more Bruce Lee's. Yeah, we do. <laughs> I was just, I, I got, I got caught in a YouTube, uh, wormhole the other day where I don't know, I, I started off watching my grizzly bears. And then all of a sudden, two hours later, I'm watching Bruce Lee fight movies. And he's like, he's like, even back in the seventies where it was so new, uh, his speed and the way he moved would still like, I still would like compete with like the jet Lees or whoever, like the hot, like, um, you know, Eastern fighters are that like, you know, the guys that are on screen that are just the, the stunt heroes, like he, his movements are still so slick to me. I mean, he, he's an incredible athlete. Big time. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, there's a book on him that is just, if you want to understand his philosophies, it's, it, it's awesome. I read it and there's so much good, there's quotes and just good parables and good stuff just from a, yeah. from a, from a like mindset. That's a guy with mental toughness, man. Yeah, that, that was, he was a mental juggernaut. <laughs> I mean, no one wanted that guy on TV. Back in the day, they didn't want an Asian guy being a lead. And he, he basically broke the rules of Hollywood like, like action guys. Big time. And he only did six films. Yeah, yeah. And, and – Died, of course, he died early because all the freaking awesome guys do. But all those six movies are like epic. <laughs> epic. I mean, you could you could dream up Dojabar to fight you in one of your movies. You're doing all right. <laughs> exactly. <You know? laughs> oh, that's great. Well, let me ask you this one more question before we uh, end here. Who is who is your favorite quarterback? Oh man. Uh, okay, this is what I say. This is and and. People, people kind of clown me, but this is what I do. I, I'd say, guys, I want you all to, to try to be as much as Aaron Rodgers as possible. And they're like, well, Rodgers hasn't, Rodgers hasn't won the ring. Rodgers hasn't won all. I'm like, listen, there. Tom Brady, without question, is the GOAT. <laughs> maybe the GOAT of all time. Like, may, there may ne- never be another Brady. But Aaron Rodgers is the golden goose. And he is is so spectacular with his movements and his, his hand speed and the way he 
throws and the way he changes the game with his feet. The guy is not a 4-4 runner, but the way he makes guys miss in the pocket and the way he maximizes minimal space, I have never seen anything like that. And on top of that, he throws like he's throwing a dart for 40 yards, and it's a pinpoint back shoulder throw. I, you don't see guys throw the way Rodgers throws or moves the way he throws. It is a different look. Yep. And I think he is the most talented, talented quarterback I have ever seen, ever. I don't know if there's ever going to be another guy like him. Now, if I'm going to have a guy on my team that's going to win rings, it's going to be my boy Brady. <laughs> but if I want to be entertained and see a guy who is the most talented, gifted quarterback ever, it's going to be Aaron Rodgers. I believe I agree with you. He's he's a stud. Arm strength, just his 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 he's laser focused, man. When he's playing his games, he there's his confidence. And you see it with the elite quarterbacks, but there's something special about his confidence, man. He he makes, you know, nothing out of something a lot and it's um yeah, he's just a joy to watch. He's I'm going to miss him. I mean, hopefully he's got another 7 8 years, but uh, he's He's, um, in my opinion, the best I've ever seen. It used to be Man- when Manning was in his prime and he was, you know, back in the Colts, he was changing the game with his no huddle, calling it from the from the hip. Um, that was the funnest I've ever watched. Like, I've, the most fun I've ever seen a quarterback. I miss that dearly. But Rodgers' game is so unique in the way his, his athleticism and his hand-eye and his strength and his precision and his confidence and the way his swagger, it's, um, it's just a whole different ballpark. Big time. Now, was it when you were playing when you were playing ball in high school? Was there a quarterback that you looked up to? Oh uh, well, Steve Young was my guy. I'm from up there, so Young was always my dude. Um, he was a, he was on his way out when I was going into high school. Um, Manning was just emerging, so it was the Manning era. It was his third or fourth year for the Colts. He was he was crushing it. But as a kid, uh, no one got me more hyped up than Young, the lefty, scrambling and throwing quick slants to Rice and, and James Taylor or John Taylor and Brent Jones. I mean, all the classic Niner guys that I, I still have with withdrawals from because the Niners are just, I don't know what, hopefully Lynch and uh, Shanahan can, you know, bring them back. But uh, back in the day in the nineties, man, there was nothing funner than watching the Niners go toe to toe with like the Cowboys or the Packers. Oh yeah. Quite a dynasty. Quite a yeah. dynasty. Yeah, when I was playing, um, and still to this day, my, my favorite quarterback is Jim Kelly. He, I, I tried that to. That was awesome. Yeah, it's just the things he did, um, you know, his arm strength, but, you know, he's on his own five yard line a lot and then drives them 95 yards. And it's just, and he's consistent throughout that whole series. So, and he just, he just, and the way he is now with all the, you know, the things he's had to deal with with his cancer, he's just a tough quarterback. And he had to deal with, he dealt with some injuries during crucial times with playoffs and, and Super Bowls, but um, he's just a tough yeah. dude, man. Dude, people forget that he was, he went to the bowl four times. I mean, that guy is a, a, one of the greatest of all time. I mean, he couldn't, he couldn't win one, but he got he went there. there four times. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he went and playing in Buffalo you, and I mean, playing in the, probably the worst market to play as a quarterback where half the season's frozen. I mean, he's an incredible player. Big time. Big time. Yeah, I've uh hopefully one of these days I'll get him on my show. Take care, man. I want I want in when you when you have that. I want I want to just listen. You bet, you bet. Before we go here, I like to do this uh, at the end of the, every show. Uh, I want to promote this uh quarterback, which is uh, definitely very fitting to what we're talking about today. But this uh book is called Mindful Quarterbacking, a playbook for the quarterback's mind. 
written by Marcus Mayo. This is a really, really, really cool guide that defines all the aspects from a mental game, what a quarterback has to deal you know, with regards to the mental game. And, uh, and just put some great worksheets in here, good, awesome quotes. But it, it, it kind of covers everything about what a quarterback needs to do to get the mind right. So, um, so check this out when you have a chance. Sam, man, it's, uh, it's awesome that we had this time to talk to you. I hope my, uh, my listeners go to throw to win and start following you. I wish you all the great success, man, and I'll keep on following you, man. Dude, I appreciate it. I had a blast. Let's, let's do this again soon. And um, I, uh, I really want to go up to, uh, back up to the Bay Area. I've been, I've been t- talking to a few guys up there that, that uh, you know, run run seven-on-seven organizations and things like that, but I've been really wanting to do some camps up there. So maybe I can get up there soon and we, could, uh, we can actually chop this up, do it in person. Absolutely, man. Definitely. All right, man. Talk to you soon. I appreciate it, man.